Hey, thanks for stopping in to listen to this message. We hope it encourages you, uh, edifies you, builds you up. But I want to invite you to join with us in this end of the year miracle offering. Uh, that's something we did this last Sunday. We encouraged our church to bring a seed. You know, we can't control what happens tomorrow, but we can contribute today. So I want to ask you that you consider giving to help us bring this building that I'm sitting in right now, uh, this miracle that I'm sitting in, to fruition. We bought this building in Old Sacramento, and we're that close to finishing it. So you can go to projectchurch.com give, click the miracle offering, and help us see this miracle come to an end. So hey, we love you guys. Thank you for contributing, and we hope this message blesses you. Project Church, what's up? Good to see you guys. My name is Caleb, one of the pastors here, and uh, man, I'm just super excited for today. Uh, we have an opportunity today to continue in our Our Indomitable Future series. I'm closing it out today. The tagline behind this series has been all in so we can win. This word indomitable means cannot be subdued or defeated. And uh, in this series, we've been challenging you to be all in. We're walking into a new season as a church, new building we're going to be moving into in just a few short months in old Sacramento that we purchased. We're super excited and in challenging you to be all in, it's been incredible our response. In the month of November, we had our best giving month ever um, here at downtown Sacramento. So come on, church, give it up for yourselves, for your faithfulness in giving. Super exciting. I thought you'd be more excited about yourselves, but that's okay. Um, but man, I want to just continue this series in talking, and if you have your Bibles, go to Jeremiah chapter 31. In talking today about everything that I believe God wants to release in this year-end um, commitment and offering and, and declaring a word over 2020. So I just want to set you up so you understand what we do as a church. In a lot of churches, I've actually seen that they ask you to give, like your tithes and offerings, and then they say, and give above and beyond your tithes and offerings so we can support missionaries and ministries all around the world, nonprofits. Um, and so that extra money goes to that. But at Project Church, we felt like a better practice would be to honor and be good stewards of what you give in your tithes and your offerings. So we rarely take extra offerings. So what we do is we say, give your tithes and offerings, and then as a church, we give 10% of what you give in your tithes and offerings to nonprofits, missionaries, organizations all around the world. So essentially, as a church, we tithe on the tithe. And we set that up at the beginning of our church seven years ago because we felt like that was good stewardship, that we're already, you guys are already giving what, what God is calling you to give, and we're going to steward that well, not say, okay, give what God's calling you to give, and then, oh, occasionally, can you give more so that we can support other people? No, we've budgeted ourselves so that 10% of what comes in all year long, we give away, and so that's how we do this, but once a year, we do an end-of-the-year miracle offering, and that's today, so we do on that day is we asked you to declare a word over your 2020 your or your next year. You're declaring a word over your future. And then we say, commit to give something by the end of the year. So some of you came ready today. Some people actually already gave their end of the year offering online. If you go online, which most of you give online, uh, about 90% of our giving comes in online. Um, there's a drop down on the menu. It says miracle offering. You can click that. But this is just an extra above and beyond, something that God stirred in your heart to give. And here's what it's going to go to. Number one, it's going to further the vision in 2020. God's given us a vision to reach all people, 
uh, to lead all people to find life and freedom in Jesus, we're going to do that. Second, it's going to establish our permanent location, our permanent home in Old Sacramento. We're about $100,000 short of furnishing the whole space. I believe that's going to come in this month. Come on. It's going to come in this month. And so we're that close um, to being ready to move in once the construction is done. And then third, 10%, again, um, we're going to give away to an organization called Project Rescue. They rescue girls from sexual slavery all around the world. They've been doing this for 20 years. Uh, they've been doing it since before it was popular. They don't just raise awareness. They actually have homes. They're going into brothels, buying children from brothels, rescuing them who've been born to prostitutes in these brothels all around, around the world. They're helping girls who uh, are being released from their pimps and their brothels. They're helping them, getting them in homes and teaching them a trade so they can work in the real world because they don't know anything else. Most of them have been there since they were, you know, 12 years old, 13 years old. So they're amazing, and we partner with them every year as a church, and we're going to give 10% of this offering to that. So today I want you to be praying, wanted to set us up so you know kind of what we're doing. But I want to talk to you today. The title of my message is A Right Reflection. Everybody say reflection. I got a mirror up here to illustrate this today. So how many of you love new things? Like you just like something new. And I'm, I'm actually, personally, I love to shop at thrift stores. My wife ain't about that. She thinks it smells too musty. Um, but I'm about that thrift store life because, man, I, as long as it's new to me, it's new. Come on. And so I like new things. But it doesn't have to be new. It can be just new to me. Well, six months ago, my wife and I, with our family, we purchased our first home. And it was an incredible moment for us. Yes, thank you. We did own a condo when we were first married on the East Coast. But since we moved back to Sacramento eight and a half years ago, this was our first home. We bought it six months ago. Up to then, we'd just been renting. Well, in the process of purchasing this new home, we've been working to make this home reflect us. Like we wanted it to reflect Chrissy and reflect Caleb. And it was built in the 70s, and it was tired and a little musty and needed new floors and carpets and baseboards and, you know, all, all, we're doing a whole bathroom remodel right now. It has been a process, and your boy is not very handy. But thank you, Jesus, for YouTube. It's my best friend. And so we've been figuring it out along the journey. But, man, let me tell you, as we've been on this process, now six months later, the home is finally starting to reflect Chrissy. It's finally starting to reflect Caleb. It didn't feel like a place of refuge or a safe place or a place of rest for most of the last six months. But now that things are getting done, it's starting to finally, it feels like a place of refuge. Feels like a place of rest. Little by little, we've been getting there. But this home is now, when we walk in, we're like, okay, this is us. It didn't feel like that for the first few months. But the reflection now has come. In this book of Jeremiah, there's a problem. The problem is, if the people is the people of God that are supposed to be serving God, and the house of God does not reflect God. And their whole job, the reason God even started a nation through Abraham, he said, you're going to be my people, was that they would be a blessing to all of the world. Their whole purpose was to reflect what God's relationship with man should look like. And they have abandoned the reflection that God has called them to have. 
they look in the mirror and they don't reflect God. They've actually begun to reflect the culture. They've begun to reflect the other nations. They've bought into idolatry. They're even practicing child sacrifice at times. They're worshiping other gods in the temple. They've got caught up in sexual immorality. They've been pulled into all these other kinds of practices. They're hungry for money. They're greedy. They have abandoned the reflection that God created them for. And this is the problem. And i got to be honest, this is still the problem for us. You see, a lot of us are, are one foot in with God and one foot in with the world. And so at, at moments, people look at us and they go, oh, that's what a Christian should look like. That's how a Christian would respond in that situation. But because we only got one foot in and one foot out, then at other times they go, oh, that's what a Christian is? That's how a Christian responds? That's how a Christian acts? And we've lost our reflection. And let me tell you something. If you remember nothing else, remember this. Who you reflect determines what you project in this world. We are supposed to reflect God. We look in the mirror, we reflect God, and as a result, we then project God to the world that we're called to. And most people, even Christians, are walking through life, they feel unfulfilled, they feel purposeless, and the reason is because you were created for one thing. You were created to reflect the God that created you. And in that reflecting, you're projecting who he is to a world that is searching and lost. And when you're walking in that, you are purposeful. You are purpose-filled. But what we've done is we've done what Israel did, and we put one foot in the world and one foot in with God. And so at times we reflect God, but then at times we reflect the world, and then at times we feel like we have purpose, and at other times we feel like we don't. And that's not who you're called to be. And it's not who Israel was called to be. And so God does something here. Just to set up the context, we've been going through Jeremiah this whole series. Jeremiah is set about 600 B.C. The people of Israel have turned their back on God. And so he disciplines them. He warns them through Jeremiah. Jeremiah is the prophet. They often call him the weeping prophet because whenever he spoke, everybody cried because he was telling them all the problems they had and uh, what was coming, the impending judgment. So he warns the people. He says, listen, if you don't change how you're living and acting, if you don't come back to God, He's going to discipline you. And he's going to do it by sending a nation of Babylon to attack you, burn down your temple, tear down your walls, take you into captivity, take you as exiles to Babylon where you'll be for 70 years. The people don't heed his advice. They don't heed his warning. In fact, the kings lock him up. They go, we don't like what you're saying. And so it happens. And in this text, we actually see it happening. Where Babylon comes, they begin to attack, burn, pillage, bring them back to Babylon. And in the midst of that, God says, I'm going to establish a new covenant with my people. I'm going to establish a new covenant. And in this new covenant, my people will finally reflect me the way they're called to reflect me. So let's read Jeremiah chapter 31. It says this, starting in verse 31. Behold. 
The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a covenant, a new covenant, with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, everybody say broke. Though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. Everybody say hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, Know the Lord for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. So God makes a covenant with Jeremiah and Israel here. And he says, this covenant declares that you will reflect me. That when you look in the mirror, you reflect me the way you were called to and created for and, and, and purposed with reflecting. He calls them to this. And so as we read this text, I actually see three things that or aspects of this new covenant that God makes here. First, God says, I'm going to unify my splintered people. I think that the church and this culture is more splintered, it feels like, than ever before. And I believe that this covenant was for them, but it's also for us today. And God is saying, I'm here to unify my people. We need a unified church. We need to start here and say, we are in complete unity with one another at Project Church. Second, God says he'll change the hearts of his people. He says, I'm going to change their hearts. I'm going to work in their hearts. And third, God will bring this to pass no matter what. Some of you need to hear this because God's given you a promise. And he declared a promise over your life. And you've been walking and waiting. And you feel like God's abandoned you or he's forgotten you. But I'm here to declare to you today that if God makes you a promise, he will follow through on it. If God says he's going to do something, he'll do it. It may not be when you thought it would happen, but it will be when it's meant to happen. So I want to tell you today to wait on God. Trust me, it will come to pass no matter what. I believe God promised us a building. When we started the church, I knew one day God was going to plant us where we knew we'd be here to stay. It was already, a it was already coming. And there were times when I was like, God, why'd you, why have you forgotten me? Because I get frustrated with God. I'm not as spiritual as all of you. And sometimes I say, God, what's going on? Why are you doing me like this? We put offers on about 25 different buildings to purchase or to lease. And everyone was met with a no. And I said, God, why? And finally, I just abandoned myself. I was working and striving and trying in my strength. And I just finally said, God, you know what? I'm surrendered to you. And I stopped looking. And then guess what happened? Six months later, when I wasn't looking, God brought the building to us. That's how he works. Sometimes he's just waiting for you to stop trying and you to start trusting. We try so hard, and I'm all for trying. But trusting is always greater. Trusting always yields greater fruit. So who you reflect determines what you project. And so what I want to do today, I'm going to make this real practical. I want to give you three steps to a right reflection. Because some of you, if you are honest, you say, I probably am not reflecting God the way I'm called to. And as a result, I'm not projecting God uh, to my fullest purpose. And so three steps. Number one, and this is all looking at this text, is we have to be embracing of a new season. 
embrace the new season that God brings you to. So God actually changes what was. You know, with, with Israel, he made a, a covenant with them, and this covenant was written down on tablets through Moses and on scrolls. And he said, follow this covenant. Well, then he says, I'm going to make a new covenant. And I'll tell you this, Israel, they didn't like that. The religious leaders didn't like that. They're like, we know this covenant, and you're telling us there's a new covenant? We like this covenant. We're comfortable with this covenant. We know this covenant. And God says, I'm actually not going to write this covenant on a tablet or, or, or on a scroll. I'm going to write it on your hearts. And hear me in this, because I think for a lot of us, Embracing a new season is something we try to do, but we try to do it in our strength. So some of you are, are new to church, or you're new to God, or you're still trying to figure this God thing out, which we all are. But you're out there and you're going, man, I've been trying so hard. I've been working so hard. And yet still I fail over and over. I try to do the right thing and I do the wrong thing. Let me tell you something. It always has to start in us before it can flow out of us. God has to fix what's in here first. So listen, most people don't like change. Let's be real. My kids still don't like our new house. They're ungrateful little brats. No, I'm kidding. I, I kid you not, every week they tell us that they miss their old house. Every week. You know why? Because the old house... It was built in the 90s, not in the 70s. The old house didn't need a bunch of updates. It was already updated. The old house was a two-story. And how many know kids love stairs? They love to take their life into their own hands. My three children almost died multiple times. They want a two-story. They want stairs. So why do you think they're so fixated on the old season, on the old house, because they don't see the long-term fruit of what this new season will bring to our family. They don't see the long-term fruit of what a house that we own will bring compared to a house that we rent will bring. So the other day I was trying to teach them, I'm like, listen, I get it. You like the old house, but we're building equity. And they're eight, six, and four. They're like, Dad, what is equity? I said, let me tell you. Let me teach you a little something. Daddy's about to take you to school. And I began to teach them about what equity was. I said, yeah, we're putting a lot of work into this. Yeah, there's a lot of sweat. Yeah, it maybe isn't as big. Yeah, there's not as much stairs. But let me tell you, we're actually paying less for a house we own than we were paying for a house that we rented. This is setting us up for the future. And one day we'll sell this house, have equity, and make money. Come on, Lord, let this economy keep going. And then we'll get a bigger house that's even better than not just this one, but the last one. Some of you are rejecting the new season because you're so fixated on the old season. The fruit of the old season. The fruit of what God did back then. And I'm here to tell you, God may bring you to a new season, and he's bringing you to it because he's got a better season in store for you. He's got greater fruit for you. He's got greater things for your future. Some of you have been pushing back on the new season. And God wanted to tell you today, no, 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 embrace it. 
Yeah, that season was good. The last seven years almost of Project Church have been good, but 2020 and beyond are going to be great. We've had impact in this city, but we've just scratched the future of what God's going to do through us. We've seen people meet Jesus in the hundreds, but I believe in 2020, we're going to see people meet Jesus in the thousands. Some of you are already thinking about the new building, and you're like, oh man, we're going to get there. I know you're going to do it. And you're going to be like, I miss the crest. I mean, you know, the, the ceiling, the smell of popcorn, the staleness of the alley, you know, this, this parking garage down the street. Like, I, I'm, you're going to get in the building and some of you are going to go, yeah, I'm, I miss the old season. I, I liked it when we were smaller. I felt like I knew everyone. I got to tell you right now, you got to embrace the new season that God has for us. Because this new season means roots have been planted. It means we're here to stay. It means we're not going anywhere. It means God's got a future for us. And God's going to reach more people with his love in the new season. Embrace it. You see, everything in our life is a result of the choices we've made. If you want a different result, you got to start making different choices. You have to embrace some new seasons. And the unfamiliarity of a new season can make us afraid. Or we look in the mirror, and the new season looks different. And we can become afraid of the new season. And so we look at the old season. We fixate on the old season. Change your perspective, church. And say, I may not see the fruit yet, but God's brought me to this season because he's got something new, something better, something greater. He's a God of greater things. He didn't leave, bring you out of one season to put you in a worse season. He brought you out, it out of it because he had greater things in store for you. Second today, second step to a right reflection is you have to initiate a change of heart. You see, God changes hearts, but he does it through willing vessels. He does it through a vessel that's open and willing. God commits here to engraving their hearts with the law. You see, the new covenant didn't involve God writing, or the old covenant involved God writing on tablets and scrolls, and then they had to internalize it. The new covenant said, I'm going to put it on your heart. I'm going to write it on your heart, and then you're going to live it. They were trying to internalize and then live what they saw out there. But the new covenant, which we now have through Jesus, is written on our hearts. It starts in you. And then it can flow out of you as a result. But you have to have an open and willing heart. Part of changing our hearts means changing our actions. But some of you are trying to do it in your strength rather than do it out of the strength of God. And you wonder why you keep failing. You keep failing over and over. And you're going, God, why do I keep messing up? Why? Because you're doing it in your strength. You're doing it in your power. And God's saying, you got to do it out of my strength. You got to do it out of who I am, out of what I have put inside of you. Some of you have been trying to change your actions. But let me tell you, until you allow God to change your heart... Your actions will never fall in line with who God is. And that involves and includes some of the wounds that you haven't let go of. 
Some of you are walking through this life and you're trying to be all for God. You're like, yeah, I'm reflecting God. I'm going to project God. But all you're doing, because you have this festering wound in your heart, you're just bleeding on everyone you come in contact with. Just walking around, bleeding on people. And God's saying, listen, let me heal you. You've been sticking band-aids on wounds. They're festering. They're, They're hurting. You're bleeding. Let me heal you. And then out of that, you'll be able to live and fulfill the purpose I have for you. It's got to start in here. But it's initiated by a willing and obedient vessel. By a person that says, God, I'm here. And I have my plans and I have my ideas and I have my dreams, but I'm willing to trust you and lay it all down and say, you do with me what you will. Here am I. Send me. Well, I had a worship leader friend in Massachusetts, and he was an electric guitarist. How many electric guitarists? They're, they're always the rebels. You know what I'm saying? Like, any of you ever dated a musician, you know what I'm talking about. Um, we love you, Andrew, our electric guitarist of the day. He was a rebel one day, I'm sure. But man, electric guitarist, and my buddy was an electric guitarist, and one day he came to me. He played worship for us in our church, in our youth group, and he said, Caleb, I'm done. I was like, dude, what do you mean? He's like, I'm done. I met this girl, and you know, I just, I want, I just want to live for me. I just want to live for me, and you know, we've been sleeping together. I just wanted to tell you, and I appreciated his candor. He said, and I can't be playing worship up here. I can't be a part of the church anymore because it's never been real for me. So I asked him, I said, well, why would you tell me now it's never been real for you? You've been in this your whole life. He said, that's just it. My parents made me come to church. Then I graduated and I just did it because that's what I'm supposed to do. He said, but I never, it was never really in my heart. He walked away. Disappeared for a few months. About six months later, one service, I I was preaching and he came. He showed up in the back at our youth and young adult service. And I was preaching at the end. I gave an altar call. We used to do those back in the day. Like, get down here and repent. Back when I was old school. And he ran down to the altar, tears streaming down his eyes. And he grabbed me after the service. He said, Caleb. I finally made the decision for me. I finally gave God my heart. 24, five years of his life, he'd been doing it for other people. He'd been doing it for man. He'd been doing it because people told him he was supposed to. But finally, he surrendered his heart to God. And let me tell you, I was just in Massachusetts. He's married to a Christian girl. He plays worship every single Sunday at his church. And they're raising a daughter in the church. But it took a a heart. A willing heart. Some of you are one foot in, one foot out. And this series has been about being all in. You cannot reflect God and project God until you go all in with God. And we're, we're straddling the fence. And this culture wants to get us to straddle the fence. In fact, every few months I grow my beard because my wife wants me to. And it gets more and more gray every single time I grow it. That's what church planning and kids will do. And uh, I've been growing, and I I can only last like maybe two months at the most, and then I shave it. And every time I shave it, my kids are like, ew, what happened to your face? 
And my wife's like, oh, what are you doing? I like the beard. Why? Because they want to project on me what they want for my life. But I'm like, yo, it's itchy. It's uncomfortable. It makes me look old. I'll keep it for a little bit, but then it's coming off. We can't live for man's approval. This culture, I'm telling you, this culture will try to dictate how you live. They'll try to dictate what you say, what you, how you live, how, all the things and the choices you make. They'll tell you, you need that. My kids, yesterday or, or this weekend, they're like, Dad, we found this Amazon catalog. Came in the mail. We circled everything we wanted. I opened up the catalog. Half the catalog was cir circled. They want like 150 gifts. Why, why are they living like that? Because this culture tells them they need it. They got to have it. And the culture will tell you the same thing. And so many of us are looking in the mirror. We're going, I want to reflect God. But our choices, our money, our time, the things we say reflect anything but God. And then we wonder why we don't feel purpose-filled. We wonder why we feel empty. We wonder why we're always grasping. You see, you have to initiate a change of heart. It starts in here, and then it flows out there. Third and finally, if the band will come back, we have to release a new vision. You guys got the shortest sermon of the three today. Come on, give it up for that. God is good. If we're going to take steps to a right reflection, third, we have to release a new vision. Everybody say new. A new vision. What does God do here? He speaks a new vision over Israel. He speaks a new vision through Jeremiah. And this new vision was one that they needed and were called to for their future. Today I want to ask you, what is the new vision over your life? I want you all to grab those cards that are at your seat. If you need a pen, raise your hand right now. Our ushers are going to bring some pens down. If you need a pen, raise your hand up high. They're going to bring some. So here's what I want to ask you to do today. I want to ask you that you would declare a new vision over your next year, and you would start by declaring a new word over your next year. A new word over 2020. You see, every year my wife and I do this, and we do this together, and I'd encourage you couples that you would do this together. We write down a word, and we let that word release a vision over our next year. And we walk in the faith of that word. And we walk in the strength of that. And, and when the season is tough, when the season is hard, like this last year, there were moments when I felt like I was in over my head with this building. There were moments when I felt like it was never going to come to fruition. There was moments when I felt like I know I'm going to mess this up. I'm going to fail. That word of greater kept flowing through my ears greater 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 God's got greater things that was my word God's got greater things for your future God's got greater things for your church and I was reminded of it greater 
Listen, I can't control today. And I can't control tomorrow. Some of you want to, you're control freaks in this house. You want to control everything. Listen, you cannot control tomorrow, but you can contribute today. And God is asking you to, to declare a word of vision to contribute to the future of this church. But then also he's asking you to give something sacrificially to plant a seed. Why? Because he wants you to be a part of something greater than yourself. The church is a place where we are able to connect as a family and bring people into this house to experience and encounter the presence of God. And that's why we're asking you to make an end of the year offering to say, you know what, I'm going to give this. Why? Because, yeah, I can't control today, but I can't control tomorrow, but I can contribute today. I can do something. I can bring something. It's not about all of us bringing the same thing. It's about equal sacrifice. Not equal giving, equal sacrifice. Sacrifice will look different to every person in this room. So Israel gets a new vision from God. And they say, and God says through Jeremiah to Israel, He says, I'm going to establish a new covenant. They'll be my people. I'll forgive their sins. I'll forget their past. And this vision was something that I guarantee you the people of Israel are like, I don't know. Do you know what we're walking into? And some of you are in the middle of a tough situation. You're in the middle of a struggle. You're in the middle of what feels like a new season that isn't good. And God's declaring to you today and challenging you to declare something over your future and over 2020. And you're going, I don't know. You came in here cynical. You came in here because somebody made you come. And you're walking in here and you're questioning. You're like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to declare a word over my 2020. I haven't seen anything happen in my past. I want to tell you right now, if you would raise your expectation, if you would come into this place and believe for greater things, if you would say, I'm going to lay down my cynicism, and I'm going to lay down my fear, and I'm going to lay down my pain, I'm going to lay down my hurt, and I'm going to trust for greater things, you'll see God do something. Let me tell you, cynical, bitter, angry, frustrated people are not fulfilled. And some of you have been living like that. And God's like, lay it down. Just let it go. And release something in faith. How many know that faith changes things? Faith is powerful. Faith can usher in a movement. Faith can do something and trigger something new in your life. God wants us to walk by faith. So I want you to think about the mirror. What are you reflecting Today, I want to ask you to declare something new. You see, looking in the mirror, a lot of us, when I look in this mirror, like I only see myself. And I know myself pretty well. A lot of you, you know every blemish on your face, on your body. You know that one eyebrow that's a little higher than the other. Some of you ladies been working on that and just can't get it perfect. I woke up this morning, had three major zits, just massive. My God, why would you do this to me? I'm preaching. Why? Because I know my face. I know the blemishes. I see them. And some of you, you've never been able to get past yourself. 
when it comes to reflecting and projecting God in this world. Because every time you come to the mirror, you look and you say, I know me. I know my past. I know my failures. Not only that, but I know the dysfunction of my family. And when I look at this, all I see is that. All I see is my father that treated me horribly, or I never had a father. All I see is my family that's been caught up in dysfunction and drama as long as I've known. And it's been passed on from generation to generation. All I've seen is the failure of my past, my sin, my mistakes. And you look in the mirror and you can't get past yourself. Here's what I want to tell you to do today. you got to start to bring some other things to the mirror with you. You see, now, when I show up to the mirror, I bring this. Because Caleb is afraid. Because Caleb walks in fear. And, but then I read that, I say, and I say, man, God has not given me a spirit of fear. He's given me one of power and of love and of a sound mind. I come to this mirror and I go, man, I've messed up. I've sinned so many times. But then the word of God tells me that in my, in my weakness, that's when God is made strong. The word of God tells me that his grace is sufficient for me. The word of God tells me that Jesus came that I might be free and forgiven and set free. You see, I bring this and my perspective changes. Then I say, I can reflect God because I got God with me. I got God in me. Not only that, but you got a family. I'm talking about the family of God. Some of you, you never knew how to be a father, but you need to bring this thing over. You need to bring it over. We got Jim right there. Look, I'm, I'm hitting Jim. You need to say, Jim, I don't know how to be a father. Will you come stand in the mirror with me and show me what that looks like? Will you come stand in the mirror with me and, and teach me how to be a father? Because I didn't have one. Or mine didn't set the example. Some of you, you youth in here, you're like, I don't know how to be a teenager that loves God. You need to bring it over to the youth pastor. He's right here, Sam and Carly. To these two amazing people say, will you get in the mirror with me? Will you show me how to live as a teenager for Jesus? You see, you got a family. You weren't meant to do this life alone. Good thing this mirror's light. You got to get some people with you. Some people in your corner so that when you look in the mirror, you go, you know what? I don't know how to do it. I've messed up. I've made mistakes. But God's grace is on me. And I got people to come along the journey with me. I got people to show me, to teach me, to help me, to walk hand in hand with me. I don't have to do this on my own. Some of you just need to get out of your own way. I'm my worst enemy. And we get our own way, we doubt ourselves, and we fear what, what could happen. And God's saying, it's time to walk in the faith of who I've called you to be. Not the mistakes you might make or the mistakes you did make, but in the future that I have for you. Why? Because when we reflect God, when we believe that we are the reflection, we can be the reflection that he wants us to be, we are now projecting to this world all that God wants us to project. You know, our, our name of our church is Project. And we say, we're all a work in progress. We're all just messed up, broken people trying to become more like God. But you know that if you change the, the syllables, you put a little different emphasis on the right syllables, 
and then you go from project to project we're not just here to say, oh, we're a work in progress, we're messed up. No, we're here to say, no, we project who God is, the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the love of God, the hope that's found in God, the forgiveness in God. I thought you'd be more excited today, church. We are here to project God in a world that is searching and desperate and looking. You carry it. So I want to close. I'm going to put this mirror right here and I got a basket bring that basket out here's what I want you to do I'm going to pray over us and then we're going to sing and as we do I want you to come up and I want you to bring your card this is the one you're supposed to take home I want you to bring the big part of the card the other part is for you to remember. Put it in your Bible, put it on your dash, put it in your car, put it in your, your bathroom, and leave this big part. And I want you to bring it up, and I want you to stand down here, and I want you one by one to come forward, and you're going to place it in this basket. And, then, and when you do, I want you to look in that mirror. Some of you are already excited love to see me I want you to look in that mirror and as you look in that mirror you say this act of faith over my future this sacrificial seed that I'm planting this is me reflecting God and when I reflect God I will project God to this world so as you come forward I want you to look at yourself say this is me this is my reflection and this is my projection to a world that is looking and searching and desperate. Are you with me, church? Are you with me, church? Make some noise if you're ready to reflect and project our God. Bow your heads across this room. I can see you down here. Your eyes, but I want you to close them. You're in this room and you say, Caleb, this is spoken to me. But I got to be honest. I've had one foot in the world and one foot in in with God or I've had one foot I've had neither feet in with God because I've been living for myself but today you say I want to commit that I'm all in with God I want to commit to reflect God so I can project God if you're in this place and that's you maybe you've been running from God for years decades maybe it's just been a few weeks or a few months Maybe you've never known Jesus, but today you say, I'm done running, I'm going all in. You want both feet in, if that's you, I want you to lift your hand, go, if that's you. Yes, hands are going up all around the room. Come on church, give God some praise for these people that raise their hands. Repeat this prayer after me, say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you that you have called me to reflect you and project you into this world. I ask you today to write on my heart who you are, what you've called me to, the truths of your word. Sear them, inscribe them, write them on my heart so that I can be all in. I love you, Jesus. I know I won't be perfect, but I believe that you're the perfect one.
and you died so that I could receive life and life to the fullest. In your name, amen. Stand to your feet, church, and give God some praise in this place. Come on, clap your hands as you stand up. You can do better than that. Clap your hands, church. Oh, you're trying to hold cards, and it's awkward. I get it. We're singing. As we sing, I want you to come one by one. Couples come together. Individuals come down. And I want you to declare, put that word in, that seed in. Look in the mirror and say, I'm reflecting so I can project. Come now, church. Come on. <laughs>